So I'd like to wish everybody a happy Mother's Day. I did that this morning on my way over here. I called my mom and uh, thanked her for being my mom and not killing me as a child, and um, which would have been very easy to think to do at, some, at times. Uh, I was not the best. I was not the easiest child to raise. I admit that now. I didn't back then, but I will now. Because I, my youngest will be 13 at the end of this month, and all my kids are pretty much grown now, and uh, I've got paid back for just about everything I ever did. But uh, <laughs> my, I'm proud of my kids, but I, I, I really am. And, and, and I told my wife this morning when she got up, I said, Happy Mother's Day. And, and the girls are all with her this morning and at our, our home church back home at Cross Point. And uh, they are there this morning celebrating Mother's Day. And then her daughter from Fairmont's coming up and taking her somewhere this afternoon. And I'll meet back up with them this evening. I'm cooking dinner tonight. Uh, so if you hear anything about a three-alarm fire in Nemecola, Pennsylvania, it was probably my house. Uh, I don't know if we'll make the Channel 4 news or not. But anyways, but uh, just again, happy Mother's Day. And I hope that you've told your mother happy Mother's Day today if your mother is still here. If not, I've seen all over Facebook this morning people wishing happy Mother's Day to their moms in heaven. And I, I just think that's a great tribute to, to wish your mom. You know, she's celebrating the best Mother's Day of her life that she's in glory. Amen. Uh, but um, I wanted to look at this passage today, and, and I'm just going to try to share my heart with you a little bit, talk about mothers. We're going to laugh a little bit. We may cry a little bit, but we're going to have a good time this morning uh, looking into God's Word. And uh, I preached a message one time out of this passage called Three Words Mean a Lot. And uh, there's certain passages where, where it talks about three words and, and, and stuff and, that Jesus said. And uh, But what I thought was interesting about this passage and why I chose a lot of people this morning are probably preaching out of Proverbs uh, where it says, Our children shall rise up and call her blessed. And that's a great verse to preach on. But that's just about what everybody's going to preach on this morning. And uh, I wanted to look at Mother's Day a little different today. And, and the title of today's sermon is Take Care of Your Mother. Now, I, I'm going to say this as a caveat. I know that some folks were not raised in a Christian home. I know some folks may have not had a mother that was nice or kind to them. But I will say this. After saying that, I will say this. The Bible does say we're to honor our fathers and our mothers. Regardless, I don't see any caveat after that that says there's exceptions. We're to honor our mother and our fathers. Now, when we turn 18, uh, we, we decide that we're becoming an adult, which I, I think it should be moved to 21. That's my personal opinion. I think everything should be at 21. Uh, you should get your driver's license learned from it at 16. You get your junior's license at 18, and then you get your permanent license when you're 21. If you tried to walk down the sidewalks with some of these teenagers driving on the roads today... I've got two girls that just got their learner's permit. I called everybody in Waynesburg and said, stay off the sidewalks. They are driving. They didn't think that was too funny. But, but you know, I understand that. But we're to honor our father and mother. When we turn 18, we may not have to technically listen to mom and dad anymore, although it still pays to listen to mom and dad. But we should always honor them. And I feel today's society that once we realize we're an adult, we can make our own decisions, especially with some of the younger generation today, that the honor goes by the wayside. No. We should always honor our parents and honor our mothers and our fathers. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing right here. Now, Jesus has went through the most terrible time of his life. Okay, he's on the cross. And if there was one scene I could add to the He's Alive Passion play, it would be this scene. Because this shows Jesus, even though he was suffering and going through all that he went through, he still was concerned about what was going to happen to his mother. I mean, he was beaten beyond human recognition. How many of you have ever seen The Passion of the Christ? Okay. I literally 
had to stop the movie when they were whipping him with the cat of nine tails. I mean, it just literally, in my mind, I'd always read and known what is, but when you watch movies about Jesus and his life, they didn't really get that, that gory with it, for lack of a better word. When I saw that, I'm like, man, he went through a lot. And it just changed my whole perception of what I thought about that. So he'd been beaten. Uh, you know, his, his body was bruised and battered. He'd been punched. He'd been spit on, hair pulled out, beer pulled out. I mean, he had had everything under the sun done to him. Nailed to the cross, and when they nailed him to the cross, they just didn't raise that cross up and let it in easy. They jolted it into the ground and shook his whole body. And for him to breathe, I want to tell you something. Joel does a great job of this, and I noticed this this past year. To breathe on the cross, how you died, you died of suffocation. Because how you breathe was you would grab and you would pull yourself up to breathe and let yourself down. And pull yourself up to breathe and let yourself down. And eventually you would wear out from that and you would suffocate because you couldn't breathe. And Joel does a great job of that. I noticed that this year that he did that. But this scene right here at the cross amazes me. Because if we were going through all that, the last person we'd be thinking about is anybody but our poor selves. We wouldn't be because it's our human condition. But Jesus was human, 100% human. He's also 100% God. And so while he's there on that cross... He looks down and he sees the disciple that he loves. And he looks at the disciple that he loves and he says, Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. And from that day forward, he took care of Mary. Mary was taken care of. Jesus wanted to make sure that his mother was taken care of. What an act of love. What an act of honor to his mother who gave her son Jesus life. And that, we go back to Christmas time just a little bit ago. That's a whole amazing story right there in itself. That one verse in Luke 2 always stuck in my mind. She sat there and pondered those things in her heart. And the song that has been written and sung over the years, Mary, did you know? I don't understand. I don't know if she truly knew what was going to happen with her son. But there's a special relationship between sons and their mothers. I'm not counting the daughters out. There's a relationship there too. But I've always been real close to my mom. Um, I told my mom that I was the experiment and I didn't pass. So she had two more after me. And, um, but <laughs> I told her that this morning, last year on my birthday, I put on Facebook, I said, most women give birth to children. My mom gave birth to a legend and, uh, everybody kind of got a kick out of that. My mom thought it was funny, but my mom and I have always had a close bond and our close bond has been. A couple of things. Uh, one is the music. We both love singing gospel music. I traveled with her for many years, going to churches and revivals and singing together from the time I was a little boy. And so I got to be a teenager. And then in adulthood, we sang together. And uh, she used to dye her hair. Now, I know Brother Dave don't have that problem. But uh, but she used to dye her hair. And, uh, you know, I heard he won a contest the other day, Brother Ronnie. Yeah, he won, he won a brand new comb. Can't even use it. <laughs> You're going to wish Bob was here now. <laughs> uh, I love you, brother. I really do. He and I got the memo on the right shirts this morning. Brother Pastor Ronnie over here, he, he missed the memo. He, he didn't wear the pink shirt today. But, uh, but anyways, my mom and I was singing together. And my mom used to dye her hair. She dyed her hair for a lot of years. And uh, somebody asked her one time we were singing, says, your mother died. And I'm like, um, no, that's her natural expression. And uh, <laughs> so... But she had dark hair, and she turned white at 26. 
26 years old, my mom had white hair. And uh, so she started dyeing her hair. And my son, when he was little, always used to come in when he'd skid on grandma's lap and he'd jump up and he'd lift up her hair to see if the roots were turning white. And if they were, he'd look at my mom and go, you need a new paint job. <laughs> and uh, so, but when he became about 15 or 60, he says, Grandma, if you want to let your hair go gray, you go right ahead and do it. And uh, my brother, when we were younger, came home from kindergarten. I'll never forget this. I thought for sure he's going to get knocked clear in a corner somewhere when he said it's my mom. In school, they had taught him in Bible class that white hair was a sign of wisdom. Solomon says a sign of wisdom. So my brother comes home at five years old, comes up to my mom. We're sitting there at the dinner table in uh, this little part we lived in out, in, out near Hammond, Indiana. And uh, he goes, Mom, we heard today that gray hair means you're wise. And my mom goes, yeah, I, I read that in the Bible too. He goes, you must be the smartest woman I know. I did one of these, brother. I pushed away from the table. At eight years old, I knew that if that arm came by, it was going to hit me in the process, and I didn't want to get caught in the crossfire. My mom goes, I love you, David. You can go to your room now. Uh, but my mom and I, she dyed her hair. And the reason I'm saying this is because we used to go out singing together. We'd be singing, and people would go, oh, it's so nice of you and your wife to come and sing tonight. I told mom, I said, we're from West Virginia. You've got to quit dyeing your hair. And uh, she, so we, well, one night, the funniest part was my wife was sitting on the front pew. So when she was pregnant with my youngest, we were singing at this little Methodist church in Wana, West Virginia. Now, how many here know where Wana, West Virginia is? few people, just outside of Wadestown and uh, on the other side of Wadestown. And um, so we're sitting there singing, and this gentleman comes up and his wife. and Oh, it was so nice to have you and your wife and her sister here tonight. <laughs> I looked at my wife. I said, well, actually, that's my wife, and this is my mother. That guy turned blood red. So I told her after that instance that you've got to start letting your hair go white. But uh, anyways, but, it's been, but my mom and I, we enjoy singing together. And we've always had that bond. And the other bond that we share is that she's the one that led me to Christ. Now, I enjoy singing with her, but that's secondary to the first thing. And I've told that story, I believe, here before about how I, about my mom leading me to the Lord. But the things that led up to that day were quite unusual. And uh, my mom, uh, bless the Lord, the Lord, uh, Lord willing, this year, she was born on Christmas Day. And uh, I, told, I tease her all the time that she was the only Christmas gift that Granddad could not return. And, uh, but uh, she, she was born on Christmas Day, and my wife's birthday is on Christmas Day. So we make Christmas special. Christmas is in the morning, and then the birthdays are celebrated at night. We keep them separate. But... Um, but she, she led me to the Lord, and, and that's something that I will never, ever forget and never, ever be able to pay her back for. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. I, my dad's a pastor. He's been a pastor. He's been preaching for 47 years. He pastored for 45. He'll be celebrating 48 years in June, next month preaching. And I know this much, that I always want to honor my mother, no matter what. You know, I want to take care of her. I told her... If she ever gets to the point to where she can no longer take care of herself, she'll live with me. Because I want to take care of my mom. I love my mom this morning. And we all should love our moms. Our mothers are special, special people. They tolerate so much stuff that dad don't even know what goes on. Amen? I've always said this, that the father, the man is the head of the house, but the mom and the wife is the neck that turns the head. And if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. 
And if mama's unhappy long enough, you'll be unhappier with half your stuff. Think about that for a second. But our, as men, as we go out and work and supply, and, and as the Bible says, we're supposed to support our families, we miss a lot of the small stuff that happens at home that we never get told. Because if we did, we'd probably blow a head gasket. But mothers take care so much. They take care of feeding the kids, getting them ready for, uh, for school, getting them ready for bed. You know, that, that's being a mother. You know, when the kid's up all night with a fever, who's up with the kid? Not the dad. Dad's... Like that in bed. Mom's up taking care of the kid all night. You know? Uh, my, my dad worked in the mines when I was younger. He worked midnight shift. And once he fell asleep, he, you, could, you could light dynamite underneath of him and he wouldn't move. But mom was always there. And I remember when we moved to Indiana back in 1984, my dad went to Bible college. My mom had to go to work for the very first time. My mom had to go work to help make ends meet. Now, she was always home in the, in the afternoon. The school that we went to was right around the corner, and the, na- the neighbor downstairs picked us up and everything. But that took a while for me to get adjusted to that mom wasn't home when I got home from school. Because mom was always there. Mom would have a snack sitting on the table and help us with our homework. You know, Dad, he, he, you ask him a question, go ask your mother. You know? And, uh, you know, but us as dads, we, we, don't, we miss those things that the mothers do for our children. And... You know, I've said this a long time ago, too. I believe that, you know, the men are commanded to love their wives as Christ loved the church. But I believe the women are the Holy Spirit of the home. Because their influence is all through that house. It is. You know, I've had my kids look at me and go, don't do that. Mom's going to get mad. I remember one time I didn't wrap the, the garden hose up right. I was washing the car, and I didn't wrap it up the way that Mom wrapped it up. And my, my one daughter comes and says, uh, hey, uh, you might want to fix that. I'm like, why? Mom sees it like that. She's going to blame one of us, and it's you that did it, so fix it. So I did. And I went in and got my wife. I said, how do you want this hose wrapped back up so I don't get anybody in trouble? But our mothers handle so much stuff. You know, uh, they, 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 they handle the discipline in the home most of the time. You know, my, I was my mom's exercise program. She didn't need Richard Simmons in the 80s. She had Jason Woods to take care of. You know, she chased me all over the house. I'm serious. I was, man, I was a hyperactive kid, man. I was, I was a firecracker, you know. I was born on July 1st, so it makes sense that I'm a firecracker. But my mom had a way of dealing with me. My dad would just get mad and snort and stomp and, you know, pull his belt, and that was about all there was to it. Mom had a different way of getting my attention. And uh, I always used to tell everybody, my mom's favorite weapon, of, well, not weapon, disciplinary utensil. Uh, most people, how many remember the wooden spoons? Nope. My mom used a fly swatter. Now, not one of them plastic fly swatters. The ones that had the metal handle with the plastic on the end, so when the plastic fell off, she just kept going, you know? Every fly in Fairmont when I was in high school lived at our house because they knew the fly swatter would not be used on them. Matter of fact, I would hear flies flying up by the door like, hey, let's go in the woods house. We ain't never going to get hit in there because they use them on them bratty kids in there. That's what that's used for. But I was my mom's exercise program. I was. People say, man, you still, you, you were that hyperactive. Oh, yeah, if she was here, she'd tell you some stories. But my mom loved me. And that's one thing about a mom is her love. 
her unconditional love. I cannot even imagine what Mary was going through watching Jesus go through what he went through on this day. I mean, I've sat there in the theater and watched it play out in front of my eyes, and it, it, it bothers me. I mean, not bothers me as far as, far as it, just, it just breaks my heart. And Mary's standing here watching the son she gave birth to, giving up his life for a world that could care less. Because what did he say from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They were, they, and it's amazing to me, the week before this all happens, they're praising his name in the streets. They're laying down palm branches going, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. He, Jesus, the Messiah, he's here. And then the same of those in that same crowd, I honestly believe, were in the crowd that yelled, crucify him, give us Barabbas. You know, my mom, over the years, and we've all faced battles and trials and tribulations and stuff in our lives. But being in ministry work, a lot of times you, you take some very hard attacks on yourself, uh, on your ministry and, and, and personally. And I remember growing up as a preacher's kid that there was a lot of times things were said and things were accused that didn't even happen. And uh, my mom was very, very good at consoling us when stuff like that would happen. And, uh, I mean, if you, if you think preacher's kids are perfect, they're not. I remember years ago, you used to hear, always hear the saying that, well, preacher's kids are the most, or the orneriest kids in town. No, they're the most watched. I always used to say this illustration. There would be a kid on the front row picking his nose, and I'd get in trouble for laughing at him. I'm serious. That's how it was in some churches growing up. Preacher's kids take on the channel. My mom had a way of loving us and saying, it'll be okay. You know, don't let it get under your skin. I mean, there were sometimes people made some accusations or their kids would come and say we did something and I didn't do it. And I got to the point one time I looked at my mom. I'll never forget this. This is one time I got the fly swatter used on me. I said, well, if I'm, if I'm being accused of doing this, I just might as well go ahead and do it. I already get blamed for it. I remember one time a window got broken in the basement of the church. And this deacon's kid did it. Now, I've always said this myself, personally. Behind every ordinary preacher's kid, there's a rotten deacon's kid somewhere. That's been my MO over the years. No offense to the deacons here today, but I'm just saying. It. Just, you know. I had a kid I went to high school with. He was the, deacon's, uh, the head deacon's son in the church of the Christian school I went to. And I realized real quick, if he was involved in any of the pranks we pulled, we didn't get in trouble. Because he didn't get in trouble. Because he's the head deacon's kid. So we had him involved in everything we did our senior year, so none of us got in trouble. But he broke the window. I was standing right there. I watched him do it. He was picking up rocks and throwing them in the parking lot. And he picked up this one big rock, Brother Dave, and, and I knew as soon as he let it go, it was a hanging curveball. It wasn't going down over the hill. It was going to curve. And it hit that back window in the back part of the church. I mean, made this loud shattering boom. So, of course, they all scatter. Guess who stayed? I'm standing there. All, of course, the adults, we're, they're having an outdoor event, they, about picnic or something. They come around and everybody says, and of course, my dad sees me. I'm saying, there ain't nobody else around. Of course, the first words out of my dad's mouth, boy, what did you do? And I'm like, I didn't do anything. It was James. And this was the kid's name was James. I said, he did it. I didn't do it. Where's he at? I said, he took off. He goes, well, why didn't you? I said, because if I'd have been running, then I'd have been accused of running and doing it. 
I swear I could have been a hundred miles away from the church and I'd still get blamed for something that happened. So the, 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 the deacon's kid who did this, that head deacon looked at my dad and said, well, what are you going to do about it, preacher? He broke that window. My dad took me to his office and I got a paddling for something I didn't even do. Now, the first thing I wanted to do at 11 years old was I'm getting to be that age where I'm in junior high, you know, kind of like filling my oats a little bit, you know. I wanted to find that kid and whoop him real bad for the whooping I just got. But I'll never forget when I came out of the office, I was mad. And my mom comes over, she put her arm around me. And she said, it'll be okay. Now, about two weeks later, he finally confessed that he broke it. But he didn't get a whipping. I don't think that was right. But that's the kind of love my mom showed to us as growing up. And as we've gotten older, we've been trying to treat her very special. She, she, she's the, next to my wife, she's the most precious lady in my life. And, um, but Mary standing here and, and, and watching this and Jesus telling this to her, and what a responsibility it was put on that disciple to take care of Mary. You want to talk about being given the ultimate orders to take care of someone. And I believe he did until the day God called Mary home. He took care of Jesus' mother. And the interesting part of Scripture is, is that this is really the last time that we hear anything said about Jesus' mother. After this, we go into the book of Acts, the, uh, when, when Jesus ascends into heaven. Now, I figure she was probably there. The Bible doesn't say, but I figure she was there. She was probably a part of the first, uh, the New Testament church that started in Acts. But it doesn't really say what happened to her. We just know that this disciple took care of her. And I honestly believe that he did that to the best of his ability. And I believe that because he did, God gave him a long life. Now, this disciple... Uh, I believe, with all my heart, was John. Because John was the youngest of all the disciples. And he, he, him and Jesus had a very special relationship. James, Peter, James, and John, they all three did. But the John and Jesus had a very... And, 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 and I believe God blessed him because God used him to write one of the greatest books in the Bible called the book of Revelation. And he used him, even though, you know, they tried everything to get rid of John. They tried boiling him in oil. That didn't work. So finally they got so mad, they just exiled him to an isle called Patmos. And then that's when God just opened the gates of heaven and showed him all those things that take place in the book of Revelation. I believe that if you honor your mother, that God will give you a long life. I believe years are added because you have treated your mother or your parents correctly. You know, and that's what God's word says. That your days may be long on your life, Father and Mother, that your days may be long upon the earth. I believe some people have had their life cut short by the way they've treated their mother and their father. I have a friend of mine that, uh, man, he just gave his parents all kinds of trouble when he was growing up and just disrespectful and, and everything and just, I mean, never yelled and screamed and hollered at his parents and, and uh, he, uh, unfortunately, passed away at 40 years of age. And a lot of people were at his funeral, and, and, of course, his mother and father were just heartbroken. And uh, 
His mother said something to me at the funeral home that just literally just shook me to my very foundation of my being and my soul. When she said, I have more bad memories than I have good. What a statement. I hope that if God calls me home before my mother gets called home, that my mom can say, I had more good memories than bad. My mom knows I like to laugh, and I now know where I get my sense of humor from. It's her. She's been laid up for the last couple of weeks. She fell over in Amish country back in March and did something to her leg where they had to literally lance it open and had to let it heal from the inside out. She's been laid up for the last several weeks. And um, so they got there a couple of weeks ago. I told mom, I said, she goes, I just, it's not, we're sitting at the house, and they have a nurse that goes to their church, and he was over there tending to the wound. And she said, it just... It just seems like it's not getting better. And they said if she came back to the wound doctor that following Thursday, that they weren't going, that they would probably have to go in and do some type of surgery to clean it out real good and, and would lay her up probably for the whole summer. And she said, you know, your dad and I were planning on going. They've got uh, a cabin down in Tennessee they go to and everything. We've got a lot of plans we want to do. We're not going to do it. So I'm standing there. And a lot of people have been praying for. A lot of people have been praying for. But I'm a firm believer that sometimes you need to pray to the specific need. You know, a lot of times we pray for things in general, in generality. But sometimes we got to pray specifically to see something specific happen. So I told my mom, we were sitting there, I said, Mom, I said, do you mind if I pray over the wound? And she goes, that's fine. So we prayed and and. Uh, I prayed over the wound and I said, the Lord, you know what the doctors have said. You know what, what, what's going on with her body. You know better than anybody. But we need this wound to start healing on its own. And I said, Lord, we're asking you to work a miracle here. Now, I still believe that God does miracles today. Now, I don't believe God's in show business. But I believe that God does do miracles every day. Every day. It's a miracle you wake up every morning. It's a miracle that you make it to work every morning. Have you ever driven on the interstate with some of these yahoos? Ah, man, I'm telling you what, I think they got their driver's license on a box of Cracker Jacks or something, you know? And then they're mean. They're meaner than a mother-in-law's kiss. I'm telling you what, you know? But, but, uh, but I'm telling you, man, it's crazy. It's a miracle you make it to work. I drive up near Pittsburgh. I just got a new job working for Cricket Wireless and, uh, and I, and I drive up that, that, uh, that stretch of highway uh, out of Washington, 79 North. It's 55 miles an hour. You can get away with 60 and not get pulled over. I'm going 70, and I'm still getting blown by. And I'm like, but I'd be the one to get stopped. If anybody gets stopped, it'd be me. Yeah, well, that's, that's where I work at, Bridgeville, Pennsylvania, just south of Pittsburgh. I think Ohio ranks a little bit above them, but that's my own personal opinion. So, but anyways, uh, you know, we, these crazy, it's a miracle you get to work. It's a miracle how your body works every day. So I believe God does do miracles. It's just not, I don't believe God's in show business. And, and, and a lot of times, you know, things go on about healing that, that, and that's another term for another time, but it's just, well, I, I don't want to say God's not in show business. But anyways, I was praying over her leg. And I said, okay, Mom. And I looked up, tears just coming down her eyes. And she was in a recliner, and that's where she led me to the Lord, was in a recliner chair back when I was a kid. And I said, you know, I said, last time you were sitting in a recliner chair next to me, we were both crying because you led me to the Lord. And that was almost 30 years ago. 
And I said, uh, but this time we need you to get better. So the, the nurse treated the wound, wrapped it up, and she went that following Thursday, which was a week ago this past Thursday. They took the bandage off, and the doctor was absolutely amazed. It was measuring at six centimeters deep. It was now measuring at four centimeters deep. And the redness around the area had went away, and the new tissue was starting to form. And as that was going on, the doctor said, I don't know how this happened from last week to this week. And my mom says, I do. God is answering prayer. And as soon as she got out of that doctor's office, she picked up the phone and says, you will not believe what happened. I said, try me. So they ended up putting a little bit of a skin graft in there just to help it heal a little bit. It's pig skins, what they're using. So my dad standing there, and he thought he'd be Mr. Smart Alec and say, well, I guess that means you're bringing home the bacon tonight, doesn't it? So my mom starts laughing, the doctor starts laughing. So when they get in the elevator and the elevator door closes, my mom looks at my dad and all sincerity goes. <laughs> she said, your dad laughed. I hadn't heard him laugh that hard in a long time. So he told her he was going to come out in the, in, in the, in the living room and record her while she was sleeping to see if she was snorting like that in her sleep. I said, Dad, you don't even know how to use a flip phone, let alone use a recorder on a phone. But uh, anyways, but... Uh, so she went back again this last Thursday. Now the wound's measuring only two centimeters deep. They're not going to, have to do any external skin grafts on the leg. And they said in a couple more weeks it should be healed completely. Now that's my God at work. And I'm not saying that to, to brag on anything but my God. Because he honors the desires of our heart. He will answer our prayers. And my mom has been a faithful pastor's wife, faithful mother, faithful uh, Christian. She got saved when she was five years old. A lot of people say, well, five years old. Let me tell you something. You'd be surprised what some five-year-olds can understand. But she has been in church her whole life. She loves the Lord. She's been the most example of a godly mother I could ever want. And I believed. I said, Mom, I said, God has a reason for all this. I can't tell you what it is. And you may not know for a while. But God has a reason he took you off your feet. Maybe it's just to tell you to slow down a little bit. She's always on dad. Slow down. You need to slow down. My dad has had two heart attacks, has 15 stents. And he still goes 24-7. He, he just doesn't know how to quit. He said, if I, if I sit down, I'll die. That's what he tells me. He says, if I quit, I die. And um, my mom worries about him. But I said, now I'm worried about you. I said, you guys just ain't as young as you used to be. You know, you're not no spring chickens. And um, I said, you know, I, I have a friend of mine that lost his mother back uh, the week before Thanksgiving last year. Sixty years old. Went to sleep. Husband went in because uh, he has sleep apnea. So he slept, slept in one room. She slept in the other. But he went in and kissed her goodnight. And she would battled cancer a couple times and beaten both times. God had delivered from both times. and But she just had been having some other health issues. And uh, she kissed him goodnight and said, I love you. And he said, he went in the next morning to, she hadn't been up yet, and usually she was always up before him. And he went to make sure she was feeling all right, and she went in her sleep. Sixty years old. And uh, I remember my friend calling me on the phone, and a gentleman I used to sing with, and he told me, he said, Mom's gone. I said, what? He goes, Mom's in heaven. And uh, I saw his post today on Facebook, and it just broke my heart. And uh, so on the way over here, after I saw it, I called him and I said, hey, buddy. I said, uh, 
His mom was special to me, too. She was a good cook. I mean, you know, she, we'd come back from off the road late at night, and she'd have a whole spread sitting on the table when we got to the house. And uh, I said, I know today's going to be rough. And I told him, I said, for you and your sister, I'm praying for you guys today. And I said, if you need anything, you let me know. But I'm so thankful that I know there's people that don't have their moms this morning, but they wish they had their mothers here. And for those of you that your mothers are in heaven and not here, my heart breaks for you this morning. And for those of you that your mothers are still alive and still here, I hope today sometime you'll either pick up the phone or you'll go and see them and tell them Happy Mother's Day. It's not about the cards. It's not about the flowers. She'd take those handful of weeds that we sing about. Ezekiel's call sings that song, Handful of Weeds. It didn't matter if they were dandelions and ragweed and even ramps mixed in with it, you know. She'd take them and put them in the kitchen in the vase in the kitchen when we used to bring them in. She doesn't, that's that's not what it's about. You know what mothers want? The love of their children. The flowers, the cards, the cards will fade away. The flowers will wilt and die. But the love that you show will last forever. Just like the love that Jesus showed his mom. In that passage of scripture right there. I'm going to read it again. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. I don't think Mary ever had anything to worry about because I believe that John took very good care of Mary. So today, as we think about mothers, I uh, hope that you will contact yours today and tell them just how much you love them. And if they're not here on this earth, I'll be praying for you because I know today is a rough day. I'll close with this. Last night, about 6 o'clock, my wife got an Internet call from Hawaii. And uh, it was our grandson, Koa. His mama is not here. But you know what he said to my wife? He said, he, call, he calls her G-Maw. He said, G-Maw, he said, I sent a balloon up for mama and told her Happy Mother's Day. That's the kind of love we need to have. Because if a little four and a half year old little boy can get it, we should all be able to get it. So if you're here this morning, I, I beg you, I plead with you, and your mother is a living, call her today. Tell her you love her. Give her a hug. Go see her if you can, if she doesn't live that far away. She's, I don't know this for sure, but I'm sure most mothers today are sitting in, and there's some mothers today that are sitting in nursing homes and sitting in assisted living places that are just waiting for a call, and that call won't come. So don't do that today. Call your mother. Tell her you love her. If, she, if, you're, if you're hearing a young person, you need to go up to your mom, wrap your big old arms around her, and give her one of them big old puppy dog kisses. Right upside the face. There you go. Let her know you love her. You know? Do it. They won't get mad. You're like, oh, I can't do that. That's not cool. 
It's not about cool. It's about mama. And listen, every time I see my mom before I leave, when I first see her, I give her a kiss on the cheek and tell her I love her. And the last thing she hears when I leave the house or I go up the phone is, I love you, mom. So she never doubts for one minute that I don't love and appreciate everything she's done for me. Because let me tell you something. If she'd not taken care of me, I'd probably be in jail right now. Just being honest with you. Because I was ornery, rotten, to the core. But you know what? She loves me. And she showed me that Jesus loves me. And that's something I will never, ever forget. I told her, if, if the Lord tarries and God calls her, and I know I said I was going to close this. I promise this is it. I said, Mom, I said, at your funeral, if God tarries, the one song I'm going to have played at her funeral is Mom is Teaching Angels How to Sing. Old Dottie Rambo song. Because my mom, whoever's directing the heavenly choir, when my mom gets to heaven, is going to grab their little staff and say, go sit down. I got this. But she will be teaching angels how to sing. And I told her, that's one song I want to have played. I said, I hope I don't have to have it played. I hope we just all go up together. That would be the best, best thing I'd want to happen. Because after dealing with what happened with my friend's mom, I looked at her. We were there at the funeral and I come out and I said, you can't do this to me. I said, either i got to go first or we got to go by rapture. I said, I can't deal with this. I love my mama this morning, and I hope you love your mama this morning. Because when everybody else didn't want to give you a tear in the world, mama still loved you. Let's pray. Now, I know I talked about moms this morning, but... The one scene I want to get in vivid in mind, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, as your personal Savior, you can know him because what he did on the cross there in that scripture that we read was for you. It was for you. And here this morning, if you would have been the only person that needed that payment on the cross, Jesus would have still made that payment for you. So if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You've never accepted Jesus Christ And you need to accept him this morning before you leave because we're never promised the next five seconds, the next second. So if you're here this morning and you need to come to Jesus Christ to get saved, to become born again, you can do that this morning. If you're here this morning and maybe you haven't been the type of child you should have been towards your mother, maybe there's been some issues, you can come to the altar and get that fixed this morning and then take that and make that right with mom today. Maybe you're here this morning, you just have a need that you need to lay at the foot of the cross and let Jesus take care of it and cover it with his blood. He can do that this morning. Let's pray. Our most gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we thank you for mothers. Lord, we thank you for sending mothers our way to love us like nobody else can besides you. Lord, a mother's love is just unbelievable. Lord, I pray today that you just put a special blessing on all the mothers. And Lord, I pray today that their families, their children, Lord, would call them and talk to them and wish them a happy Mother's Day. Lord, most of all, I pray, Lord, there's one here this morning, Lord, under the sound of my voice that does not know you as their personal Savior, that they will come to know you before they leave this building today. We ask this in your most precious and holy name. In the name of Jesus Christ, we ask it. Amen.